Hello, STEM Nation. Jeff here, and welcome to episode number 24 of STEM on Fire, where we interview practicing professionals in the area of science, technology, engineering, and math to help guide students interested in STEM careers. If you like what you hear on this podcast, I ask that you please share it with a friend. Now let's get fired up with our guest, Jennifer, and I hope our chat will help ignite your passion towards a STEM career. Jennifer Morikawa earned a Bachelor of Science in Chemical Engineering from the University of Michigan and a Master's in Interdisciplinary Engineering from Purdue University. She currently works as a Senior Manufacturing Engineer at General Motors and is heavily involved in the Society of Women Engineers. Welcome to the show, Jennifer. Fill in any gaps and share a bit of your personal life. So as Jeff mentioned, I'm really involved with the Society of Women Engineers. I get to participate at the local level in Detroit and also at the society level in a couple of different areas, especially around recognition, which I, I love helping to do. Um, personally, I have uh, a husband and two kids, a seven and a half year old and a 14 month. So a very big gap, but it's always been very interesting playing along and seeing them both grow. Awesome. Thanks, Jennifer. So let's dig in here, and we're going to go into your BS in chemical and a master's in interdisciplinary engineering, and you're a manufacturing engineer. Could you explain how those degrees prepared you for what I would think would be more of an industrial engineering type position? When you're in university, you, you know, you pick the things that you love. I loved doing chemistry in high school, and um, pretty much I picked chemical engineering to you know, wanted to help out in the world and just make a difference somewhere. And um, with chemical engineering, you could go and, um, you know, work on different processes that have to do with chemistry is the first thing that people think of. And so when I got to GM, um, I was in the paint department and that's, you know, paint, chemistry, chemical engineering. And then while I was there, um, I wanted to get my master's and pretty much there was a lot of statistics involved, a lot of, um, what's more efficient design of experiments and everything. And, um, that's how I got into the interdisciplinary engineering, um, where it had a little bit more materials, a little bit more mechanical, um, and, more statistics, which is traditionally in industrial engineering. So that's how I kind of got into that area. And since I was working for an automotive company, I thought, okay, well, to look at that flexibility to maybe move around, that's how I got into that. And that's how I think anybody, once they get their bachelor's and they go into industry, they'll start learning all the different disciplines and it just kind of all meshes together anyways. Yeah, and STEM Nation, you've heard that with other interviews on this podcast, that having knowledge of the different disciplines of engineering, like a mechanical, electrical, computer, um, those all play a role because everything is kind of interdisciplinary, like Jennifer is saying. So, um, you know, don't get too, too tied into one discipline. You know, take some classes outside of your main focus uh, to get a little bit broader knowledge. So thanks for that, Jennifer. Now, in high school, Jennifer, were there any classes that really helped prepare you for your uh, college career? I think basically, uh, you know, the math classes and any of the science classes, just to whatever helps pique your interest. Um, I liked doing chemistry, and that's 
what drew me to chemical engineering as part of it. Um, I liked a lot of the sciences and biology, so I, I really didn't know exactly what I wanted to go into. So those ones really did help me give me a little bit of a clue, okay, I want to do something that maybe helps the environment, something that, you know, could help a person. So why did you choose the engineering side versus going for chemistry or biology? Why did you add the engineering aspect to your degree? Well, I think it's it's great to play in the science, but it's really great to actually see it come to life and seeing something um, that you can touch and feel or show that it made an impact on someone. So I want it, I'm, I guess, more practical. So I wanted to see that side and see it being produced and out into the public where someone could touch and feel or, or feel it. So we're going to dig into your specific area of expertise now. So you're in manufacturing engineering. What What is your area of expertise? Um, pretty much it's project management, um, taking um, a design that um, someone up in the product side can kind of say, okay, I want this molding done and, you know, trying to make it come to life. So pretty much it's, you know, working with the different suppliers, um, working with the product engineers to kind of make sure, okay, their design, you can actually make that and make that consistently and efficiently and cost effectively. And now my area of expertise is kind of doing that with our business processes. So any comment like, well, how do you analyze that? And what's the standardized work to do that? And, you know, just kind of bringing it from an idea into steps so that we can make sure that we can pass that along and train other people to do the work. So do you get involved early on in the design stage to make sure that what the product engineers are designing is manufacturable? Yeah, so we definitely have a lot of people that are up front to make sure it's manufacturable. And I work with those engineers so I'm a little bit more indirect right now. We definitely have people up front looking at everything, trying to make sure uh, it's manufacturable, not just to be produced by a machine, but that actually people can put it together and they're not getting hurt while they do it. So what would a typical day of work look like for you? There's definitely a lot of computer work and meetings, a lot of collaboration, um, you know, discussions with, you know, how do we do this? How do we make it work? What's what's best overall? What can be common so that way we're not reinventing the wheel and we're not creating any extra variation where we can't find it and troubleshoot it? What makes people safe either in the workplace or while they're putting it together or while something's being built and installed? There's a lot of different things going around. So just trying to put the pieces together and making sure that everything's working and flowing correctly. And what is one thing that really has you fired up about manufacturing and where do you think it's headed? So what's really cool about my job is that I get to work with a lot of different people in the different phases of um, getting a product into production. And the fun things is some of the people that are working up front and doing some of the latest technologies, R&D. So I got to look at, you know, fuel cell vehicles, um, just hear little bits about it and smart factories where people could 
work alongside robots, like really close. Or um, the other thing is like the robot or the equipment could kind of know when something's, if they're needing maintenance or, you know, hey, we're running out of material or I need a part change, let's order it. And then the last part is kind of like, okay, now you've got all this Wi-Fi and everything trying to get into the plants. How do you protect that, get that information secure, make sure the right people are hearing the things that are being transmitted and not the bad people. So there's a lot of fun things and new technologies coming into the plants that I get to um, hear little bits and pieces about and get to understand that and get really excited about manufacturing and how we play a really awesome role of connecting the product into production and keeping everyone safe. Is that um, what I would call maybe a smart factory or industry 4.0 is what I've also heard out in industry? That's pretty much um, all that I've heard about it so far, too, is, you know, all these different technologies coming together and working together and working with people. So, Jennifer, we're going to change gears here a bit, and we're going to move to a story, an aha moment you've had, something that might help our STEM nation. Can you take us to a moment in time of an incredible aha moment you've had at work or your personal life? and tell us a story and how you turn that aha moment into success. I think I've had a couple little ones, but one that really sticks to mind is I went to a speech um, in one of the Society of Women Engineer conferences, and one of the speakers pretty much said that work-life balance is a myth. It doesn't exist. And I was like, you know what? You're right. So a lot of people have been changing their language to say work-life integration. So instead of trying to do it all, Um, Just kind of picking and choosing the things to um, make you feel good and your passions and just between work and with personal life. So, you know, one small success I would say is, you know, I get to work from home sometimes. And when my son was a little bit younger, he's learning to type. He wanted, he's like, mommy, I want to type. One thing that was fun was, you know, I would kind of dictate my email to him and he would very slowly push and look for the letters to um, help me type out my work emails um, to people. So it took a little bit longer, but it was a fun time to enjoy that personal time with him and still get work done. Um, So I think that's a great advantage for some engineers when they get to work from home and that you're just really integrating your life and you're not trying to, you know, do personal side on one area and do work on another area and you find out you don't have enough time for everything. So when you get to integrate those little things, then it feels like maybe you do have that balance. That might be a myth to attain. Yeah, STEM Nation, these, these types of jobs are professional jobs and the, you know, back way back when, when everything is just industry, you know, you had to work nine to five because you had to work in a plant and you had to stamp these these widgets out. And those jobs still exist. But in the professional world, it, it can be very flexible. A lot of companies are very flexible. So when you have a family and you have to take some hours off to go to a play, um, that's typically allowed. So it's really, it's not work-life balance. It's work-life integration, like Jennifer is saying, Um you can kind of work at all different hours. You know, some people are early morning people. Some people are late night people. Um, and, you know, a lot of companies are very flexible. And it makes those jobs a lot more fun when you can do it, when it makes sense for you to get your work done. 
So Jennifer, we are going to transition into something that is front and center on STEM Nation's mind, and that is getting through college, because these college curriculums, they can be challenging for most. So Jennifer, if you could go back in time, what would you tell your 18-year-old self as you're heading off to college? Some things that you wish you knew back then, or even knew back then, that would help our STEMers launch into college successfully? I think I would tell myself, you know, you know, do things at your own pace, you know, get your footing, especially that first semester. Uh, maybe don't join as many activities, but, you know, once you feel like you've got a good groove, you've got your studies going on, start joining some of the activities, get involved as much as you can. Um, everyone's a little bit different, but, um, you know, get into those study groups together, go to office hours. Um, I think if you're in those different situations, you either become the knowledge source or you find the people who are the knowledge source that kind of help you out through your classes. And then, you know, with career fairs and everything, kind of start out early, you know, go and seek out and look at the different companies that you think you might want to go and do an interview with. Definitely look a lot more if you're really going to actually get an interview with someone um, before you go into that interview so you're educated and that way you can actually interview them as well, the interviewers, um, because you're going to be a part of that company culture. And if it doesn't quite fit with you, then it might not be the best fit, even if you do get a job offer from them. Yes, Tim Nation, if you have an interview with a company, make sure you do your research about that company so you don't come in cold and you have some very good questions to ask the people that are interviewing you. And Jennifer, we all know going from college into the career world, working for a company, it's different. So what type of skills or attributes do you think are needed for STEMers to be successful transitioning from college into their careers? Definitely have that willingness to learn and ability to learn, um, being able to try some things out on your own before you have to ask a question a little bit, but don't wait too long to ask that question. When you do need help, there are people around that will help you. Um, you know, if you get into different activities, uh, different clubs or groups that maybe have those hands-on skills, if you don't have an internship, because those are what people can see as being transferable into the workplace for what they're doing. All right. Thanks, Jennifer. So we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about the Society of Women Engineers. We, we both know that the engineering and the STEM professions are pretty much dominated by the males, right, by the men. And there's, there's, there's more women coming into, into the STEM field, and you're heavily involved with SWE or the Society of Women Engineers. So for high school students... Is there opportunities for the women to get involved with SWE earlier than college? Yes, actually, we have this new program called SWE Next. And it's actually, I think you can be in it from kindergarten all the way up to 12th grade. Um, you would have a parent sign you up and they would get information um, like about events going around their area. Um, there's, I believe, podcasts for uh, them to listen to of different women in different engineering. There's a newsletter that they get. And then when they get to high school, there's some SWE Next clubs now that are forming. And they can get a SWE member to be their advisor. And they can 
do it already with if they have first robotics or other science club they can kind of make it part of that um and then with that they also get um, information about scholarships that are coming up so there's a lot of different things to do now that we have that's reaching out and we um even have community college um interest groups as well so there's all different levels and one exciting thing that I'm working on is trying to make a uh, scholarship for the young ladies who may not be able to go to university right away. Um, so they're going through community college first. So we're working on an endowed scholarship in the Detroit area for that. So I'm really excited about um, having that available for a graduating high school student in the next couple of years. Are there also men involved with SWE or is it purely a uh, female driven organization? There's definitely men in SWE. They are what we call our diversity partners. We've had them even before they were called diversity partners. They are what, you know, everyone needs that support from whichever direction. So if you're a man out there um, and you believe that women should be engineers, you can join SWE. That's the main thing is just promoting women to go into engineering. So there's no... um, discrimination on gender or ethnicity at all. So whoever believes in it, they can join. All right. Great, Jennifer. So I'm going to put a challenge out to STEM Nation. If you're in high school and either male or female, and you don't have a Swede Next program going on in your high school, I challenge you to go off and create that. We'll put some links in the show notes on how you can get connected with SWE, and I challenge you to to go off and do that. And if you do go off and do that, and you put that on your resume, you're going to stand out above all your competition when you're looking for internships and jobs. So, Jennifer, we're going to take a quick pause here. We're going to thank our sponsor, Audible, who is offering a free audiobook. So you can head over to stemonfirebook.com. That's stemonfirebook.com to get your free audiobook. And Jennifer, we are going to fire off into the lightning round. Are you ready? Yes, I am. What is the best piece of advice you've ever received? I think the best piece was that you can't have it all, or you can, actually you can have it all, but just not all at once. And that was, you know, just something that would put things in perspective to me too. It's like, okay, um, I just take our time, do what, what you need to, um, do what you love and have it fulfill you. And then, you know, your, your changes, your taste will change as you, um, grow and throughout your career. And what is a personal habit that contributes to your success? A habit that I have that contributes to my success is that just when I make that commitment, I, do the best that I can to follow through with everything and be able to get the results that people would like. And then if I have issues with being able to fill it, um, you know, just asking for help. And usually there's people that will help step up and fill in those gaps when I need that help. And what is a favorite internet resource or phone app and why? So I really like to just do a Google search on things. I do um, a lot of Facebook and Twitter just to help me get some of the news and, you know, try to back it up with seeing how many times it might be with Google um, just to see if it's real or not for some of those very interesting articles out there. And if you could recommend one book, what would you recommend and why? 
Well, I haven't been able to read that often. Um, I've actually listened to a couple audiobooks. So the last one that I listened to was Lean In by Sheryl Sandberg. And it was just very interesting to see a top executive, you know, how what she went through to um, get to where she is and how she did it. Uh, but it's always good to take everything with a grain of salt because it's not exactly for everyone or it could be what the other advice was. You know, you can have it all, but just not all at one time. So, you know, lean in and get involved where you can. Lean out when you need to. Um, And then another resource that I liked looking at, because I don't have a ton of time, is there's a a program called Get Abstract, and it has all the different business um, books out there, professional development leadership books out there in a summary, so you can kind of get an idea of what might pique your interest and then get a chance to read more when you get a chance to read more. So that's a great resource too. In STEM Nation, Jennifer's talking about you can have it all, but not all at once. Typically when people look at successful people, they just see the success, but they don't see all the hard work that went into it. It's kind of like an iceberg. You know, the majority of the iceberg is under the water that you don't see. And that's the things you don't see about the successful people out there. If you look at Amazon, Amazon is, what, probably one of the biggest companies out there now, very, very successful, but they started out just doing buying books, and that's where they started, and then they grew from that, and they grew from that, and they grew from that. So they, you could say that Amazon kind of has it all, but at the beginning, they just had a very small piece. And Jennifer, as we wrap up here, can you share a parting piece of guidance for STEM Nation, and then we'll say goodbye. Hey, STEM Nation, I want to just tell you, that we need all kinds of engineers out there from the super technical to those who can just understand and maybe translate and communicate that super technical to others. You know, so if you're not the strongest in math or certain science, but maybe you're a great communicator, as long as you understand and can ask those questions, you can become a great leader to help out with those people in our sales department, the finance, and just the general public as well. So You know, we need different experiences all around, inside and outside of school. Definitely join those activities, take on some leadership roles, and grow your experiences to bring what you can to the world. All right. Thanks, Jennifer, for that. And with that, we will say goodbye. I hope you enjoyed our discussion today with Jennifer. Head on over to stemonfire.com, subscribe to the email list to keep up with the latest happenings, and be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast player. And again, if you're getting value from this podcast, please share it with a friend. Tune in next week where we talk with Tom, who is an iOS app developer. Until next time, I hope this chat has helped ignite your passion towards a STEM career.